0: You're listening to The Magnet Podcast.
1: Today I am speaking with Justin Morgan and Carly Minardo, uh, uh, the head honchos behind Now We Are Friends, a variety show that happens once a month, correct? Yeah. Uh, sure. Down at the Parkside Lounge here in New York City. Welcome, guys. Thanks for talking. Thanks Thank so you for much. having us. <laughs> so, uh, uh, head honchos of Now We Are Friends, uh, can you guys take me through your relationship to the show? Are you guys co-creators of it. Justin, you host it.
2: I'm I am merely a host, yeah. the creator, and the brilliant, beautiful mind behind Now We Are Friends is uh, this lovely lady sitting next to me. So I'll let her tell you that. Well, All you right.
0: are you are you're definitely a honcho. Um, <laughs> uh, now We Are Friends came together uh, with uh, me and my. My buddies, Ibex, the folk group Ibex, mm-hmm. um, who who I uh, got to know because of John uh, Carlos Sutton, who took classes here. Uh, we were in levels one through four together. Um, they used to run their own night called Ibex Presents uh, at Orchard Street Cafe, I think. And then that closed. So they were looking for a new place right around the time I got this germ of an idea of this thing that I wanted to create and uh we met for drinks and we realized we shared the same purpose and now we are friends was born.
1: Now we are friends I should say it's a monthly show it plays at Parkside Lounge.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um it's a variety show of music and comedy stand up and improv and sketch. Mm-hmm. Um uh it's one of my favorite shows in New York City. I've said this to you many times. I've been lucky enough to get to get to play there a couple of times, and yeah. you know, I've seen it a bunch of times. Uh, it is the loveliest show. Parkside oh. can be a difficult room to play in. It's, you're battling a lot of noise yeah, um, from out front, and you're battling skee-ball players, mm-hmm. and uh, waiters and waitresses are moving about. Uh, um, and variety shows can sometimes be the warmest place to be putting up comedy, especially improv comedy. Yeah. Your guy's show is so lovely. <laughs> that people genuinely look forward to doing it. And, and, and the title actually promises the experience that you have, that you actually become friends with yeah. the other acts when you're playing it. How do you guys accomplish that? How do you pull off the loveliest variety show in New York city?
0: Oh my goodness. Well, first I like, thank I'm trying you to first. Yeah. Thank you. I'm trying to control my blushing um ah so lovely um i mean that was really what i what i wanted it's so nice to hear that because i i really wanted um an experience for the audience and the performers to all feel equally welcome and to feel just like you're going to have the best show of your life in that room um you know i like <clears throat> i it delights me when i see like I'm not on Facebook anymore, but when I still was, I would see, like, Dan Mills is now friends with this guy. Mm -hmm. Like, these performers connecting. And, like, I'll sometimes see them at each other's shows. And uh, it's, I think, part of it is um, (laughs) I sit in the front of the room for every show, and I'm probably always the loudest person (laughs) in the audience. Just like, yay! (laughs) (laughs) Like, whooping and laughing. And I, I, I do that because... Well, I'm really enjoying myself, but also because I want the audience to like get on board with that and um, like see like this is a place where like let's be loud and have fun and like share this together and uh, yeah.
2: I I think I think that that's true. I think the fact that it does kind of encourage more of a friendship vibe inside of comedy. And, and music, and I, I think that that is, in my own personal opinion, coming from somebody who produced shows back in Atlanta where I lived and stuff like that. Uh, variety shows, usually from a comedy aspect, just means stand-ups, improvisers, sketch, sometimes characters, and that's it. Um, there's some magic potion that they've made that, that Carly and Ibex have made where it's the right number of musicians, the right number of improvisers um, – there's not a whole lot of stand-up because I host it. Uh, and and the right number of sketch comedians and, and character comedians all kind of mixed and paced at the exact right way. So if the show, which does run two hours. Yeah, usually,
0: it runs two hours. Which runs
2: two hours. So if the show does run long, you never get tired of the comedy. Mm-hmm. It always cuts off just in time. And then a completely different type of act is on next. And then after that, a completely different type of act. So you get comedy from all angles, you get music from all angles, and it really does set the tone and pace of the show to make it just an incredibly welcoming experience. Like an audience wants that. Yeah, They don't want to get bored. Like if... Uh, coming from a complete stand-up background an audience will sit there for 30 minutes and listen to a guy and probably remember a half of his jokes sometimes mm-hmm. because they'll just tune out this is a show it's impossible to tune out yeah.
1: <laughs> what's what's the philosophy do or do you have like a working method by uh, uh, around how you go about programming each individual night or is it more sort of a gut thing of these feel like a good combination of people like how, how do you create a running order Carly
0: um i try to I try to start the show with a, a nice burst of energy um i learned I've learned a lot from running this show as as you've unfortunately uh witnessed when i I put you and Megan doing a duo set after a very large, very loud band um, i I've learned sort of what energies flow best and what will get the audience engaged the most. Readily. Um,
1: I should cut you off and say it it wasn't unfortunate. It wasn't that we were behind a very large and loud band it was that we were behind a really awesome yeah they were so as they're wrapping up <laughs> megan and i were like we have to follow that now
0: <laughs> yeah with
1: our crappy <laughs> stupid duo improv no, show? You guys, you
0: guys and it are wonderful. worked out
1: okay but barely oh, barely carly <laughs> <laughs> my reputation in the city soured for a couple of months thank you <laughs>
0: uh and yet you still have a kind word to say about us um that's wonderful <laughs> uh yeah, I do kind of obsess over the running order. Um, we Well, I should say that we start each show with an opening number that is uh, sung and played by me and Ibex. Um I Carly. I Carly, mm. <laughs> which is not a name <laughs> I chose for myself. Um, and it's always uh-huh. a cover, but we always say that we wrote it. Uh, for the first season, it was always, this is the first song we ever wrote. And the second season is, this is the second song we ever wrote. <laughs> uh, and it's just like, we try to do something silly and well-known and energetic and if it is about friendship that's a bonus. Uh and I think that sets the tone right away as like we're musical but we're not taking ourselves super seriously. Like mm-hmm. let's have a good time. You guys are all in this together with us now. Uh then I like to start with um a comedy act that uh at the very like least it's easy if it there's a lot of people cuz then I feel like you can't help but get a nice burst of energy from having a like a Larger group, um, and then it usually goes comedy, music, comedy, music, comedy. Um, I like to put sketch in the middle if we have a sketch group. An ideal uh, an ideal now your friend set, I think will have one sketch group, uh, a large improv group, a smaller improv group, a uh, smaller musical act, and a larger musical act. I like ending with the uh, the larger musical acts. When possible. Anything with a drum set yeah. needs to go last. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was the biggest lesson I've learned.
1: It's a good lesson.
0: It is a good lesson. <laughs> um, so that's like, I feel like it, it has like a nice ebb and flow that way. Yeah. By the time you get to maybe a smaller uh, comedy act, I feel like you've already got the audience on your side and they're already focused and they're engaged and they're like excited about what's coming next. So they'll pay attention. Yeah. Uh, and you, it's not as much of a struggle with, as you said, like the, the background noise from front of house and stuff like that.
1: Yeah. Well, it's yeah. interesting the way that you guys design it because there is that sort of explosion of, of energy and warmth and good spirits right off the top. So if you're lucky enough to get to be in a duo or a trio, i like the middle point of the show, even in, it's a very noisy room. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but even in that very noisy room, you find that you can have a surprisingly intimate performance. Yeah, uh, which is really nice and and a testament to the way that you guys build the show because you create that opportunity for you create a sense of trust in people yeah. watching the show. They it feels like you can rely on every single act that's up to be wonderful, yeah. and so you're able to kind of watch people on on their own terms. Yeah, you know? right.
0: Yeah. Um. I we've had a couple of. People play the show that that are very new to performing. Uh, last, I think it was last month's show. We had this really lovely woman, uh, Grace Goodrich, who's a singer-songwriter. She played her very first live gig, um, and she was she was very nervous, but she did such a great job. And it was so lovely to just look around the room and see everyone laser focused, yeah. and you could hear like the concentration of just everyone just patiently listening to her beautiful songs and really enjoying them and we're super on her side. Like I loved I love those moments.
2: It was it and I that was really cool because it was one of those things where she got up on stage, she absolutely told you right away, she's like, This is my first performance ever. And everybody kinda had a long chuckle with her and you know, she settled. <laughs> you could tell that she was nervous, but she settled and then she sang, and because she was honest and she said that to everybody not a peep out of the entire room. Everybody was just like,
1: whoa. Yeah.
2: So it was really cool. Yeah. But they tend to do that. Like that's, that's Carly and Ibex's booking with the music acts. Like there have been times where I've been so blown away. I'm just like, I have no idea how they did that. Like the Oscar show last year is my go-to story. Is that Uh, when they had the trads? Yeah, they had the rad trads. It's a full jazz band, like brass jazz band. Two percussionists. Up on stage. And the Oscars are playing in the bar. And the bar is regularly packed, you know, even on Sunday nights. And uh, the bar was full when we were starting the show. Mm -hmm. And we had about half the room you know it was it was a good night for us it wasn't crazy good like they've been recently um but it was it was a good night for us and the oscars are going on and then the next thing we know the trads close out the show and i go out to the bar just to close out my tab and when i get to the bar no one's there mm-hmm. even the wait staff the only person at the bar is the bartender who followed me in to watch the band play. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like it's, it's getting to that point where people like the rad trads and, and like Mary Lee Ruhan and stuff like that. Those guys are, are, they're the type of act where you can hear something going on in the next room. If God forbid, like loud punk music's not playing or something (laughs) like that. And people at that bar are going to walk over and they're legitimately going to come in and be like, what is this? Yeah. It's so cool.
1: Yeah. So I want to uh, back in for a sec. So Justin, you uh, were producing comedy shows in Atlanta.
2: Uh, yes, yes, yes. Mostly stand-up? Uh, stand-up mainly. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And then I I did comedy in Atlanta for about two years, doing stand-up only, uh, two, to three years, stand-up only. And then I moved up to New York to pursue trying to go the long way Hall of doing stand up in New York City, yeah, and uh, eventually I learned that uh, stand ups can be very bitter people, yeah. <laughs> very angry people, and um, I started hanging out with other friends and taking sketch classes at uh, UCB and stuff like that. And I met all of these other people, and then I kind of just realized something that I mean, when I was in high school, I took improv classes and stuff, and I just realized that. Improv comedians and sketch comedians are just much more grounded. They're not angry. (laughs) They're very welcoming and Mm -hmm. they're very kind people. And I just, I was fortunate enough to form my sketch group Kokomo with Michael Delisle and Rosie Guarino and uh, Colton Brown. And somehow we got booked on, and now we are friends. And I met Carly and I was like, this is the coolest thing in the world. I want to be a part of it. Yeah. In a bigger way.
0: Yeah, Justin was outside the show after it had finished and he was like pitching it to a passerby. Uh-huh. And he did such a great job, like so much better than I've ever done selling <laughs> this thing that <laughs> and me and the guys were like, we have to get this guy to
2: host our show.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, Michael DeLisle has also played, I think, a billion Now We Friends. Yeah, he has. That's why he. So much so
2: so much so that he showed up for a Friends-esque cameo on our last show.
0: Oh, that's right.
2: <laughs> he wasn't even booked. He wasn't he even supposed to be there. He stormed the stage and made out with me.
0: And promoted.
2: Because the- <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you know this, uh, Michael Delisle's high bar of comedy <laughs> is kissing a boy on stage. <laughs> that's That's the best you can get.
1: Now that you pointed out... <laughs>
0: He did uh, a duo multiple show. Multiple memories yeah. are
1: flashing back. Yeah, so was, yeah he did. He it. Yeah, like he
0: did a duo show with Chris once in Triple Crown. My husband, Chris Hastings. Applause break. Um, hey, yeah, Chris. Uh, he did a duo show with Chris and was like, "Oh my God, they're gonna they're gonna kiss by the end of this." He's determined to make yeah. this happen. Yeah. Um, good old Mikey.
2: Yep, that's
1: just the way he works.
0: Yeah, he's a very talented boy.
1: There's yeah. definitely like uh, um, the whatever like branch of performance you're in, like standups will have a tendency to, to spend their time among other standups and improvisers spend their time among other improvisers and sketched comedians are spending their time among other, you kind of enter into your tribe and, and become a little bit obsessive about, uh, uh, the particular skills of, of that individual craft, Mm. you know? Right. Uh, um, the variety show is such like a classical like entertainment format um, that not only puts up really awesome shows, but it it helps to break some of the um, kind of monomania that happens when you're only swimming with, with your own kind of fish. Yeah, Yeah. And it, it, at least for me, like one thing I really look forward to whenever I get the chance to improvise at the show is it, uh, I'm actually, sometimes I dread performing. (laughs) I get so hung up on, on like, uh um my my growth as an artist <laughs> that like it's actually not fun to perform so much right uh, yeah. but the show actually has like in the best way possible this sort of like rough and tumble quality to it of like go do you <laughs> thing yeah. among other people who are doing such wildly different things that it actually it at least this is my experience it's less about improvising and doing a good improv show and more about like oh i'm a performer in a community yeah. of people who want to share what they can do with other people who can do like everything and everything's so incredible that <laughs> it actually makes you like love getting up there and doing comedy whereas like i haven't done stand-up but my my understanding of it is you become fairly thick skinned with practice with battling the audience over control <laughs> and with being among a community of other people who are fairly obsessive about getting their material right that it can be a little bit of a of a a darker moodier climate it it,
2: it really really is and um and it you never know what kind of comedy that can produce yeah. for certain people it produces somebody who's just brighter and sillier because they need to crack that. They need to find a way to get out of the the dark clouds and just do something sillier. Yeah. And then there are the people that just kind of succumb to it. Um I mean where where I came up doing stand up in Atlanta was a, a dive bar called the Star Bar in a place called Little Five Points and no joke, it was the worst most grimy, most crazy dive bar I've ever seen. Um, It was the hardest room to tell jokes in. It was the hardest thing to get responses from. But I swear to this day, other than Parkside Lounge with these guys, that's my home. Mm -hmm. And you just, you learn so much about yourself and about what, you know kind of comedy can be for you yeah. when you're put against the worst adversary in the world <laughs> when you're put against three drunk uh people in the front row who are regular drunk people like they're there constantly they're always hammered and they don't care that you're doing comedy yeah that's that's really really scary but it does help, like to to have something like this that's completely different. Like, I've told people over and over again when I describe this show, I'm like, "This is my home now." Like, I do Kokomo stuff still. I do stand up and storytelling stuff every once in a while, um, and it's great and I love it. But this show, now, we Are Friends, is is my home. Yeah. That's that's Aww. that's the baby.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, it, and Carly, you. Don't you perform in the show, but you don't really host it. You do uh, a musical set with Ibex, right? Yeah, Mm -hmm. Uh, um, that's unusual for people producing variety shows. uh, The standard is sort of for like a group to create a variety show that will end up headline. They'll headline it. Yeah, Uh, um, you kind of. uh, uh, don't do that quite as much. No. Why? What's going through Carly's mind?
0: <laughs> I'm curious about this. Huh. Oh my gosh! Everybody's looking, um, and I can't stop playing. I, say with I bring light. it because I think it's just, just the most wonderful,
1: lovely thing. <laughs> Thank you. And, and for you guys listening, Carly's playing with a dry erase marker.
0: I can't. I'm sorry. There was a red marker on the table, and it was just She's there. She's about to start sniffing it. Yeah. I'm gonna start sniffing it. Um. I. Well, part of what made me want to start now, we are friends. Is I have a bunch of friends that are like, I'm lucky enough to to have all of these talented people in my, in my life. Um, and I really wanted to showcase them and give them a platform. Um, I love playing and I will play in the show once in a while, uh, in an improv act. But by and large, I just, it, it already feels like there aren't enough spots for all of the people that I want to have on the show. So I don't like taking spots for myself too frequently. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, like, we'll book max six acts per show, and for me to take a spot every month feels like I'm really, I'm already, you know, telling people, oh, like in a couple of months, I'd love to have you on. I would hate to throw myself in front of them, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, I waited like a year before I booked my duo with Joe Lepore. Um, just because, you know, like there's this additional thing of. If you if you're you're you know using your ego and you're putting yourself out there like this is my show now watch me play and you don't have a killer set like mm-hmm. <laughs> that could also seem really kind of douchey yeah uh, and I don't want any douchiness to be part of now your friends yeah. ever I want it to be douche proof <laughs> it's
1: it refreshingly free of douche it's a refreshingly douche free show thank you Lou <laughs> I'm interested because it it before stand-up kind of split into its own thing and before improv split into its own thing, the tradition was music and comedy go hand in hand. And you'd hmm. see comedy either in folk clubs as a way to break up the music or you'd see comedy in like strip clubs uh, <laughs> uh, as a way to shut people up, uh, you know, and kind of calm them down. It's an ugly truth, but it's the truth. Uh, um, and it's something that, like, they're still so married together that, like, in awards categories for award show, it's like best musical or comedy yeah. are still, right. you know, interestingly, even though we're we're a generation that's completely used to comedy having become its own independent nation right. state. Uh, um, as guys who were like in the thick of that, uh, what's your perception of of the way that? music and folk music and jazz music and and acoustic and comedy are all part of the same, are are, are brother and sister to each other. uh, No, you go ahead. uh,
0: It's
2: it's really interesting and you'll hear it from everybody, Um, uh, everybody who does either one. Uh, Every comedian secretly wants to be (laughs) a musician Hmm. and every musician desperately wants to be a comedian. It's such... It, it really is kind of a warm and welcome thing. Um, stand-ups always want to be rock stars. Uh, improvisers and sketch comedians just kind of wish they could play an instrument. And if they can, <laughs> they wish they were more popular <laughs> for playing that <laughs> instrument. But, I mean, I've met majority of the friends that I've made at Now We Are Friends have come from the music acts, have come from guys like the Rad Trads and, uh. and Dylan
0: Oh, yeah, maybe uh, who I'm opening
2: Dylan. for because I hosted a show with Dylan Condor, um I ended up getting booked to open for Dylan at the bitter end mm. coming up, and the bitter end is where Carlin played mm. that's where you know lenny Bruce was that was that's such a huge deal to me, and I know that they have comedians every once in a while, but that's one of those things where I'm just like. Uh, That's amazing. It's because I made a friend like that who was close enough there. Yeah.
0: I think there's also this thing of everybody getting a chance to see each other at their best and having fun. It just immediately attracts people. And I think both comedy and music are such communal art forms and it's so much about connecting to the people that you're playing to that, um, yeah, that's what I love about variety shows It's just, it just... Feels like you go. It feels like you're at like a party together. Yeah. It doesn't feel like the, I don't feel the same separation that like the stage is this line between performer and audience. Yeah. Um. And I like. Yeah, I, I mean, like I had mentioned before about um Grace Goodrich and how everyone was laser focused on her and being so quiet and respectful. Um. But then you'll have I love having a group like uh like the Junk Brothers who are such like rabble rousers and are so awesome and like you know, they're engaging with the audience and that's what you want. Like yeah. I I love our audience because I feel like they they know how to behave in a really yeah. great way. You know, like and I think part of it is that the audience is generally comprised of other musicians and other comedians. So everyone's rooting for each other. Nobody wants to see you fall. We're not building you up to watch you fall. We're building you up because we love you and we like watching you be great,
2: yeah. you know. It's it's almost like that scene in the movie Once, where they oh, all. I love
0: that movie. They all go out. <laughs> they
2: all go to the the dinner. Yeah, and everybody's just hanging out. and yeah. everybody gets to do their thing. Yes, and the room's so happy that they're all there. They they're not just focused on their thing. They're like, oh, that was such a good thing, right? Yeah, and that's not, so much yeah. fun.
0: It's not right. listening to people waiting for your chance to talk. It's right. like everyone's super engaged the whole time. And right. Yeah. Um, And I've we've had a lot of crossover people. Like uh, Kevin Cobb's did the show. I think I think I can't even remember if he did the show first with Listen Kid or with Great American Country Drifters, his comedy country band. Mm -hmm. Um, Both, which
1: is an amazing band. Yeah, just apart from being really funny. Yeah, they're they're amazing. They're amazing. They're
0: they're playing the show uh, on the eighth, and um, I didn't even know Kevin. Was a musician, yeah. but he knew about the show and he asked if if the Drifters could play and was like, "Yes, that sounds perfect." Yeah, and they are. I love like North Coast is another group that's oh. you know when when the comedy and music blur and you're not even sure how to categorize them anymore. Like that's such a sweet spot for the show. I think um, they're also playing on the eighth. They're so good. <laughs> they're very good.
1: When are they playing? They're playing on, on the 8th. That's the for anniversary. For the anniversary show. Yeah. Two-year anniversary?
0: Two-year yep. anniversary. Amazing. Lewis, Louis, uh, Now We Are Friends is a variety show I run with Justin <laughs> and Ibex, and we're having our second anniversary on February 8th. If you'd like to come. If you'd you, like to come. He has a show. He awful. has his own great show. Cornfeld and Andrews. Thank here. you. Oh.
1: Yeah. But yeah. I'll be there in spirit. But for you guys listening,
0: <laughs> February 8th,
1: Sunday, now we are friends to your anniversary show down at the Parkside Lounge. That's right. On the East Village. Yeah. Nine
0: o'clock
1: p.m. Nine o'clock p.m. Yeah. And if you can't make it in, go see Cornfeld and Andrews. <laughs> it's interesting because, like, you go back to the beginning of like both stand up and improv. Ooh when they kind of came into their own and became their own thing. And, and you have the improv that Bud Friedman put together, which was originally a place for his performer buddies after hours Mm. and like Broadway performers to get together and just relax in each other's company and get up in front of the brick wall and do their thing, whatever the hell it was. And you have the compass in the fifties in Chicago, which was very similar. It was a, a community hotspot for people coming out of university of Chicago, Mostly made up of a company of people who were who were playing together, but it was pretty open for anybody who wanted to to just get up on stage and goof around with them too. Uh, yeah. um, um, and it's sort of interesting the way that you kind of like return to that spirit of of yeah. eliminating that gap between like performer and audience and just making it sort of like a clubhouse for people to. To kind of celebrate each other. And even as I say that, like, there's overtones to celebrating each other that I don't like that make it yeah. feel like, let's be positive, gang. But when it's like a, a spontaneous thing and it really is, you're just among, it, it, this is what it is. It's a sense of being among peers and being yeah. among peers who can blow you away with all kinds of talents that you don't have that you're amazingly not jealous about. Right. right? You're actually like fascinated by how talented all of these peers are. Yeah. And that sort of always seems to be like, the 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 fertile place, it, you know, like that's where comedy kind of goes to refresh itself mm-hmm. uh, uh, and kind of get back to like really simple roots and like revitalize itself and bring it back just into this kind of like pure high spirited, yeah. Thing. And you see it like it's interesting with what you guys are saying about the audience because in in one act you can have an audience that's really rowdy mm-hmm. but appropriately so, right? And then in the next moment you have an audience that is. Quiet as a mouse, mm-hmm. but spontaneously quiet. And that's the whole difference. It, it, the idea of there being this sort of like perfect give and take between the performers and the audience where you're just kind of moving with each other and yeah. attending to the needs of one another, as opposed to like sometimes when you're in a theater you can be very spoiled performing in the theater all the time and you get used to a certain amount of quiet that people will afford you. But sometimes it's not a spontaneous quiet. It's like a churchly quiet that <laughs> right. can be highly unpleasant because, because you don't know if what you're doing is working uh-huh. because you have to cut through this veneer of people's respectful attitudes to you. Right. You know, but like that's what's so great about, about your guy show and, and that sort of whole tradition of live music and live comedy where it is totally immediate, and and yeah. it doesn't feel high pressure, but it doesn't feel casually low pressure either. It feels like you're among a community of incredibly talented people right. who are all just like egging each other on to <laughs> to, to, to do the making best that they you want to do. do your best. Yeah, yeah. yeah, totally, absolutely, totally. So it has this. It, it brings out a kind of competitiveness that's really great and like exciting. That, I think that's what I meant when I was saying that like, I look forward to doing shows there in a yeah. way that's different from other shows because there is a kind of thing of like, I'm ready to go coach, right. you know, yeah. like, <laughs> put me out there. It's really wonderful. Thank uh, you. Yeah.
0: Um. I think part of like, part of what I, I like to do when when I'm booking this show is I like to invite someone that I like, you know, we, we trust all of our acts to do well, but then you'll have like someone that's like so seasoned like Nick Canellas, mm. that I know that I can have Nick come on and just do whatever he wants. So it's a nice blend of like practiced groups that are super rehearsed and like know what they're doing and also giving freedom to these really incredibly talented people like Nick to just come on and do like whatever they feel like doing, you know, doing sets with people that he's never improvised with before and things like that and just like like I mentioned, the Junk Brothers, I feel like they kind of write like a slightly experimental thing for our show each time they play. Um, and I like that it's an environment where people feel like they can um, kind of cut loose and and play with the audience. And because there's that trust there between the performers and the audience and the people running the show, great things can happen. It's not, it's not the same show you're doing every time you perform. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um,
1: I want to talk, Justin, about hosting. Because it it... Oh my goodness.
0: Too <laughs> I'm tangled. Port- oh, yeah. I'm stop, fine.
1: Stop playing with the damn marker. I
0: know, I can't. Pay hey, attention,
1: focus. Ah. You wouldn't be so tangled if you would focus, Carly.
0: Hey,
2: let's not pick on Carly.
1: You're right. I'm sorry, this got out of control a moment
0: <laughs> ago.
1: I want to Guys, now we're friends is at the Parkside Lounge. <laughs> <laughs> Two-year anniversary. <laughs>
0: Two-year anniversary, February 8th. 9 p.m. 9 p.m.
1: Uh, um... Hosting a show like that, and I would love to hear your perspective as a as a stand up. Um, what's your relationship like? Because it's not a theatrical environment in that same sense of people are willing to sit. Like people are, everybody's going out to see a show to have a good time. But there's a, a looseness and a casualness to playing in a club or playing in the back of a bar that requires a different set of skills in order to. To feed into everybody's good time and also keep them attentive focused and happy so so how what's your approach like as a as a host to deal with a room
2: um, well, first of all, I would say that hosting from a stand up perspective. Um, in my own personal opinion, doesn't really change. And I was trained, very fortunately, by being a resident comedian at my home comedy club in Atlanta, The Laughing Skull Lounge, uh, twice. And when you do that, that means that you host every single show that happens for a month straight. Oh, wow. So you literally end up performing uh, between 30 and 40 times a month. It's awesome. Oh, and wow. I got to do that twice because I didn't learn enough the first time, <laughs> according to the guy who runs the club. And he was justly so. He was very right. Um, but I, I learned so much about that that quite literally my perspective is just when I get up on the stage, I want to give uh, the audience somebody that they can trust, somebody that they believe is there not only to usher in a good time, but who's also having a good time themselves. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, as far as my stand-up's concerned, one of the reasons why I look forward to this is I'll take ideas for the entire month, um, that I'm not performing with these guys and I'll bring them up on stage that night. And it's kind of like improv with me. It's mm-hmm. me getting to work out and find new things to talk about, new things to say. Um, and sometimes the audience will love it and sometimes the audience will just like it. They haven't hated me yet, I no, don't think. So don't think that's That's worked out good and um on top of that I give away free drinks. Yeah. So you know I, I think the audience just needs to trust that you're not going to be one of those guys who gets up on stage and is like, "All right, coming up next, we got a really <laughs> cool guy." Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and you're not so cool that you're like, okay, the next person's blah. You know, it, to be the person that's genuinely excited because either I've never seen them before and I'm super excited to see what my friends are going to show me this mm-hmm. this month. Or if it's somebody who I have seen before and I'm just like, oh my God, guys, holy sh—you you know, can, know yeah. that you type of say. thing. I said shh. I
0: didn't say it. No, I said I think you can. It's oh, okay. I can say I'm not say allowed to
1: swear? Want. No, you can say whatever you like. <laughs> oh, okay. Holy shit, guys. Yeah. yeah. Oh, there that's you what you were going to say? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Great, we can cut that out, right? <laughs> okay, great. Uh, uh, I, I want to go back for a sec to the laughing skull because you said that you 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 did the hosting run a second time. Yes because the club owner said that you there was more to learn what, what was no, that? There to was,
2: learn? that was more of a
1: joke oh, okay. um I,
2: I got it i got it the second time because uh the club owner was very very nice to me and he uh it was my kind of my going away present yeah. um he was like all right you're leaving you're going to new york and you know certain people in the community didn't think i was gonna stay up in new york and stuff like that because they just weren't sure like how committed i was to everything and the guy who ran the club was really cool to me. And he was like, you're going to go up there and you're going to work your butt off and something's going to come of it. So do this again. So you get stage time and you work, 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 work. And then when you get up there, you're used to working. So you can go out as much as humanly possible. And I did for, I, I had the great fortune of moving in with, Two really great comics. One of them is now just a a writer and such a good writer. And the other one is uh, still doing stand-up and is working on uh, Last Week with John Oliver. Mm. Oh, that's a great And show. he's yeah. – Josh Gondelman and Jason Marcus, respectively. They're so funny. And they – both inspired me to keep working and kind of find my own creative voice whether or not it was in stand up purely or it was in sketch or sometimes doubt myself which definitely helped me creatively mm-hmm. you know the times when you're backed into a corner feeling like you're not funny is the time mm-hmm. <laughs> that you kind of have your rocky moment of it's not about how hard you hit it's about how hard you get hit and keep moving forward so there's so many times when I have to be in that corner and go, shut up and just keep moving forward. Yeah. Keep working. So Yeah.
1: Carly playing as an improviser. Yeah. Playing in the back of Parkside is a very different experience than getting to be on
0: yeah. <laughs> Magnet
1: or UCB, main stages or 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 the beast, or you know, it's an entity unto itself. Yeah. What do improvisers specifically uh, uh, need to know before entering that room that will help them.
0: It's a very good question, though. Because
1: it's a, it's there are certain limitations. It's noisy.
0: It is noisy. It's a
1: tiny stage. It's a tiny stage. There are often Sometimes, instruments on stage yeah. with you.
0: Sometimes I forget to put stools on the stage. You have
1: no stools. <laughs> right. So Megan and I have a rule: whenever we do the show, no sitting in our scenes. Which oh. I have found a highly useful uh, uh, rule for that show, and I've carried it into my other shows as well.
0: Wow! How about that? Yeah. Wow. Huh. Anyway. You never stop learning. That's um, true. <laughs> yeah. Uh I mean, project and be confident. Definitely, I think is the biggest tip I can give to an improv group playing now with your friends, because like I've said, everyone wants you to do well. So you don't have to worry that people aren't excited to to laugh with you. Like definitely just be as loud as you can. I remember um uh Cool Blanche played the show a couple of months ago and Chris asked me if there was anything in particular I was looking for them to do. And I said, just have the most fun you could possibly have. And they had an incredibly high energy set. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think, I think uh more playful uh, maybe plays better than, you know, especially at the top of a show. Like it's an, it's, probably in a, a strange way the least um connected form that plays at now we are friends because sketch comedy tends the, the sketch comedy that has played at now we are friends tends to kind of incorporate the audience or play directly to the audience facing the audience and music obviously is being played to the audience but improv the actors are looking at each other they're interacting with each other and maybe not focusing on the audience so much so i think kind of the higher energy Ladder more more confident that you can be that then you'll still keep the audience engaged with you yeah w- w-
1: there are a couple of um things that sometimes improvisers get away without learning <laughs> uh, um one of them going back to the stand-up world for a second is improvisers can if you're lucky enough to get to play regularly at a at a at a theater that focuses mostly on improv and sketch, you're used to really good audiences. Mm-hmm. A heckler or or somebody just otherwise being a pain in the ass or having that douchey energy is is pretty rare, you yeah, know? Right. Um and so when somebody does kind of talk back to you, unlike stand ups who learn to develop that toughness <laughs> and learn to deal with that person a lot of improvisers can, like, buckle under the pressure and fold and and really let it fuck up their show. Conversely, a lot of improvisers will be used to playing in small, intimate rooms and not have the experience of being in, in, like, a big theater or a noisy club. And so we get away without... Learning how to project our voices, yeah. which means that when you're in a situation where you do have to be loud, it feels really unnatural. You're not <laughs> yeah. practiced to do it, and you're not practiced to feel unnatural and go and do your thing anyway, and and yeah. kind of get over it. Yeah. So getting to do stuff like this, I think, is such a fabulous practice because oh, yeah. you do you don't have to tussle with the audience, but your relationship with the audience in that room is very different than mm-hmm. it would be in a theater. Oh, absolutely. It, it, you know, you're. You're kind of showing them what you do in a way.
0: Yeah. Yes. You know.
1: Yeah. Uh, um, And you have to be friggin' loud. You do. (laughs) But it's awesome because it. For me, when when I'm there, immediately I know it's like, and Megan will always say this when we're together. She always leans to me right before the show and says, "Don't sit down, and be loud. Don't be quiet. Thank you. It's really good for now. But it automatically is like it forces me to make choices that I don't normally make when I'm improvising. And absolutely. So the experience is like, oh, this is like an out-of-the-box show. It feels different. And different is good. And you're kind of playing a little bit closer to that place where I'm not quite in my safety zone. I'm in in a zone where this is a little bit more raw for me. Mm -hmm. So I'm a little bit closer to where mistakes are going to be coming in. But you're with people who are digging it so much that it's actually super exciting to be kind of like closer to the edge of that cliff without the railing there. You can kind of see where the drop point is. And it's like... That's fun. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's it's really, it's so fun to watch groups embracing that energy. Like we had a Schwartzlander play a show, and Kyle Levnick was just—I mean, he's he's like an incredible performer anyway. But he was uh, he was like hopping off the stage and like really playing with the space in a in a way that was super fun and like a really great. Like, yeah, it wasn't safe. Yeah, it wasn't a show that you would do necessarily at an improv theater, but it was just like. It was great. It was great that it was different. I was laughing as you were saying about Megan turning to you and and saying, be loud and don't sit down, because I still remember your initiation for the very first Now We Are Friends show when you and Megan played. and You looked out to the audience and you went, beautiful afternoon, just at the top of your voice. It was like, I love this. This guy is so happy to be outside talking to his neighbor. It was great. (laughs) Yeah, you and Megan were just neighbors like leaning over a fence. And instead of it being this very quiet, like just to each other moment, (laughs) you were just saluting the day. Yeah, It It was great. That
1: degenerated quickly into a Star Trek The Next Generation scene, if I remember (laughs) (laughs) correctly. It's a great experience to have that, though. And you really do, you feel like like an entertainer in a way,
2: yeah. you know,
1: like in a way that sometimes you're not used to in the world of improv where I, at least, you know, in I, I veer towards the side of improv where I can tend to become a little bit precious and a little bit like, yeah, I, yeah, I am I totally an artist that. and I am unpeeling the layers of my, it's like, no, you just go out there and entertain these people <laughs> who in, in 90 seconds are going to be entertaining you. Right. <laughs> you know, like don't bring them down. it's, it's like, <laughs> so beautiful so so uh, um if people want to do the show yeah how can they go about doing that
0: um that's a great and, question. and who
1: or what are you looking for
0: <laughs> uh i would say that you know we are well i would love i love the more diverse that we can get the shows the better so i i like booking shows that aren't just all dudes or all I mean it's never all ladies I, like that just unfortunately has not happened human pyramid human pyramid oh well we've had all lady groups but we've never had shows oh, that were just, just all, all women, women? Oh, yeah. and i'd have to kick out my my cohorts and i don't want to <laughs> do that um but yeah i love uh like we're always looking for larger improv groups that are like that are diverse we're always looking for just like people that you know, Oh, I have this thing that I've been wanting to play with. I'd love to try it. Like we welcome that too. Um, And you can reach out to me. Uh, My email address is carly.monardo at gmail.com. Or you can reach out to Ibex. I don't think they have an Ibex group email, but um, you can also find us at now which currently just links to our Facebook page and leave us a message there. Um, I don't think we have anything more streamlined than that. No. But also just like word of mouth, it tends to get to us. So speak out and we shall hear you. If
2: I mean, if you're listening to this and you're interested in what you've heard, come to the show.
0: Oh, that's right. We have a we have an anniversary we show. We have an
2: anniversary show coming yeah, up on the eighth of February that's right. at nine o'clock PM at the Parkside Lounge. That's right. Yeah.
0: Um Two thousand fifteen. I almost didn't believe you when you said that number. <laughs> It's two thousand
1: fifteen. Eerie, isn't it? Yeah.
0: Here we are.
2: Come to a show and say hello to everyone afterwards. That's a great point of it. Now we are friends is to make friends.
0: Yeah, and it gives you a really good sense of what plays and what we're what we're looking for. And hopefully you'll have like the best night of your life while you're there too.
2: You probably will. We're pretty cool. We're
0: pretty fun. And we're friendly. We are friendly. Yeah.
1: Carla Minardo, Justin Morgan, thank you guys so much for talking and congratulations you, on the anniversary of the show. Thank you so thank
0: much. You much.
1: I cannot praise the show more highly, guys. Check it out. If you can't make the anniversary show, when is the next one that goes up?
0: The next one will be March first, I believe. I think it's so. it's typically the first weekend of the month unless there is a major sporting event. Yeah. yeah. We've
2: had to arrange around because last year we hit Super Bowl. Uh Oscars and Game of Thrones and Game of Thrones premiere. Yeah, and man, did I give a hard time to the people who watch <laughs> Game of Thrones? I was like, "Go back home, you nerds,
0: <laughs> with your
2: nerdery. Read your overlong books."
0: But we are friendly.
2: <laughs> but we are friendly.
1: You can watch Game of Thrones anytime, guys. That's right. HBO, HBO Go, Go is you can a watch thing. anytime. <laughs> Thanks for talking guys. Thank, thank you, you so much. Uh, you've been listening to the magnet theater podcast. I am Lewis Kornfeld. Thank you to Grant Goldberg, our engineer, Evan Barden, our producer, uh, round of applause. and, uh, thank you to you guys for listening to the podcast as well. Uh, please check us out online to find out more about who we are and what we do. Magnettheater.com is the name of the website where you can find that information. If you enjoyed the show, please give us a rating or a nice friendly shout out on iTunes. If you didn't enjoy the show, that's okay. I don't judge you. It's fine. You know, uh, Oh, no, they're um, gonna enjoy the show <laughs> you're gonna enjoy the show uh uh once again thank you guys so very much for listening have a great one bye 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 bye,
2: bye, bye. bye ibex bye bye ibex you've been listening to the magnet podcast